All right, what's up? Welcome. This is just a short introduction to uh, our next Miguele podcast episode with Mr. Pat Casey, Peak State Fit owner, trainer, uh, bike fit extraordinaire. I spend about an hour with uh, Pat talking about bike fit, what makes it important, how he makes it work, uh, especially with the retool um, program, those tools that he uses for real-time fitting. Uh, super smart guy. A lot of information and, and great stuff packed into this podcast with Pat. We're actually going to have him back. He's going to do another a podcast on indoor strength training and off-season workouts, kind of stuff to do to stay fit and stay balanced. So grateful for Pat. Uh, Peak State Fit, he's a, a racer here also. Uh, you might have seen him out in um, some of the crits and the, the local races. So just an awesome guy. Grateful for the time he spent with us. He was introduced to me from uh, Jason Lang. Jason had his bike fit by Pat and so did um, Chris Harmon. So a uh, good connection with the squad. Uh, grateful for this episode. Thankful for all you dwellers. It, it inspires me to be part of this group, to um, to help it grow, to help uh, our our team and Miguel be what it is today. So I'm thankful to be a part of it. All right, it's almost Christmas. I'm actually recording this on December 21st. And uh, Merry Christmas or Happy Holidays, whatever. So enjoy the podcast and uh, that's it. Bye. All right, welcome to uh, Miguel Podcast. I'm Stuart Anderson. Grateful to have Mr. Pat Casey with me today. It's just the two of us. Welcome, Pat. Thanks, buddy. Hey, man. Grateful to be here. Excited to learn about all things. I mean, he's going to open up, well, I guess we could call it Pandora's box. Is that a good thing to call uh, what's going to happen today as we talk about bike fit? Okay, sure. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, uh, new new part, though. This is always fun. Um, Current, Pat, current training status. What do you, what do you, uh, where are you right now? It's winter. It's uh, December 17th, 2021. Current training status. Current training status is uh in the gym two days a week doing a couple of uh doing a couple of kind of nordic ski prep workouts nice cool Uh, so doing a little bit of running and a little bit of time on the trainer some sfr work some uh you know kind of standing starts trying to apply a little bit of my strength training so just trying to trying to lay a nice foundation not riding a ton right now um and looking forward to some skate skiing coming up. Hopefully this, uh, this weekend, I'll get some, get some K's in up at round Valley. Nice dude. So if you, if you don't know Pat, uh, owner of peak state fitness, right? I mean, I don't want to peak state, state fit. Okay. Peak yep. state fit. Okay. Uh, and rate local racer, uh, bike fit, uh, specialist. That's how we met Pat, uh, Jason Lang and Chris Harmon have been, have been to him to have their bikes fit. Uh, and Jason, a moment of silence for Jason. He's not, he hasn't passed, but he's very sick. He's supposed to be on with us. And Jason, sorry, bro, like flying V missing man formation for you today. Uh, so it's just going to be me and Pat. Uh, for you, buddy. We're doing, <laughs> we're bowling for you, Jace. <laughs> so a uh, couple quick announcements before we get going. I approved uh, all the kit proofs. So they are in production. Volet uh, has the delivery date for end of January, so 24th. So we haven't set a date yet for kit pickup, but planning on uh, first right now the 1st of February. So we're grateful to have Volet as a team partner, uh, crafting all of our 
super special spandex. And then Team Camp coming up uh, March 17th through 20th. The way we know you're coming, I know I've said it in the past, but the way we know you're coming, go to the team Shopify link and pay to come to camp. It's a $30 buy-in for meals. We're having an awesome raffle. And then we're also doing a lot of uh, swag giveaway, nutrition giveaway and stuff on the ride. So um, don't wait until the day before to just do, save us some headache and just go sign up. Um, that would be very helpful. Jake is creating a group me chat right now where information is being shared um, all about team camp routes, raffle prizes, um, all that stuff. So go do that. That'd be great. Nothing pro about procrastination. No, except it just continues. It'll always be there. Just it's keep procrastinating. The nasty cycle. Um, I'm going to introduce Pat. This is a great bio. Um, Pat, uh, a level two USA triathlon coach, uh, a team USA age group coach, a retool certified bike fit expert, which I think is so cool. Uh, his background comes from an elite as an elite road cyclist that then kind of moved into a coaching and consulting career which on his website says he now gets to combine his love of cycling with his devotion to helping people and their quality of life. And I will say this about Pat. I have not, I haven't had a bike fit from him. Very enthusiastic about sharing and helping with others. Pat, it oozes from you. I can tell you want to share and help people. Am I wrong? To a fault. To a fault. <laughs> to a fault, dude. I love that. So he grew up in uh, St. Louis, Missouri and played uh, hockey, rode his mountain bike, and was introduced to cross-country racing and joined a St. Louis-based bicycle team when he was 15. Uh, he also got a job as a mechanic back in the day. Dude, that's great to know those, have those skills. So uh, worked in a lot of bike shops. And during the summer of 2012, what in the world? He rode his bike from San Francisco to Boston in support of Partners in Health a global health organization that had inspired his move that inspired his move to Alabama after what, what in the world you just rode your bike across the country. Yes. Yeah. It was a wild time, man. I mean, like, what, what did that look 30 days? I mean, what did that look like? No, we did. So it was like a sort of a 50 something days and we, you know, it's like average of 80 miles a day or so. So it wasn't like, and we actually had a, you know, we kind of had a van that we trade off with driving, um, you know, some people wanted to drive more than others. So, okay. like, you know, uh, bite off as much as you want to chew. And, and, uh, yeah, we took a nice long route. I think it was like 4,500 miles. So oh it was, a, goodness. It was a, a long track, but dude, what a cool way to see the country. I mean, even though yeah. people that are like doing it in these segments and like every year they ride a different section, you know, of like whatever that desired route is, which is kind of a cool thing. Cause you just, the people you meet and the way that like conversation starts all around the bike. And it's such a cool way to interact with communities and different terrain and, you know, just seeing places that you wouldn't ever stop like these little town squares and right Midwest towns that are just like, they see a group of cyclists roll into town and they're like, well, we got to go talk to them. Like what is, what is no. this? Nothing oh, ever happens. I'm here. writing from California. <laughs> <laughs> and you know, an interesting, 
interesting way to bridge conversations too about like subject matter that we're you know i don't know always hey, man. always trying to open that dialogue if you're into that you know kind of service or you know outreach kind of realm it's it's a powerful thing to to bring something physical to the to the table with your cause you know and any kind of cycling team i think gets a lot more support when they have a cause behind them you know and there's there's a lot to that but uh like the psychology of it but yeah it was fun man it was a really very cool, cool. then the you know kind of year after being in school and then it also made me realize that well like while i was applying to graduate programs for you know public health and med school and i was really on that track that fast track towards academia for the next four years i decided i was going to take this time off and doing that doing that ride made me realize how much i'd rather ride my mm. bike than go to school <laughs> and it changed the whole the whole direction of my life so you know, i can ah. honestly say the bike has become or has been all my life sort of this this compass and uh you know it's taken me to places i never thought i'd go so it's a pretty cool thing man way cool well, um, so you moved to Park City in 2014 with your wife, Heather, yep. to, to join the Canyon Bicycle Shimano Domestique Elite Team. And then you, fent, you spent the following two years, so 2015, 2016, traveling around on the professional road tour. I mean, right, is the, the PRT. Yep. Uh, then you moved to a, another team, the New Orleans-based Palmer Cycling, um, and then you found yourself in 2018 kind of like switching your role from racer and rider to more of a team leader coach. Is that, is that true? Yeah, it was kind of like sort of, sort of entered into this role because my, the, the original director got a job working for, so this is how cycling, this is how like poorly supported cycling is and how hard it is to like fund and support and direct a team like the status of cycling in america can be summed up into this story okay the guy that was originally the director super great guy name's ed novak um a rider himself he was really spearheading the whole project and and you know this team had been around for a really long time and it's still in existence now it's known as velovit racing and they're based out of mississippi um but a lot of good people on that team and he he you know wanted to foster the growth of this program and really get into doing a lot more prt races potentially race internationally and in order to do so he took a full-time job for the title sponsor which is palmer uh like a, an industrial company that manufactures large industrial rope. So steel rope, and <laughs> they make this stuff in like India and Spain, and they have, you know, these huge factories and they basically were like, Ed, that would be great. You know, like we need you to go and basically travel all year. And he didn't end up racing or directing. He was like, Pat, I think this is a great thing for the team. Because like, you know, I'm working this job and I'm like, he really loves what we're doing, but now I'm working for the title sponsor and he wants to come in next year with more money, but like, I need to keep doing this. I need to keep making this guy happy. So oh we end up like, he's like, okay, I need you to like coordinate their guys, get them to these races, oversee their training, figure out like, how, how can we make this all work? <laughs> it's like, wow, you know, can't Not came what I signed up for. <laughs> thinking that I was going to like, just be a rider. And now I'm kind of wearing all these hats and, oh uh, goodness. but I loved it because it, it just cool 
made me uh, a little more aware of like what what goes into putting together something that can be taken on the road and uh, have a good presence. And you know, we ended up having to kind of pull from pull from other teams and do like you know some composite teams for a few races and. Um, you know, but it, it was just challenging, you know, it was like time away from home, wasn't making any money, spending a lot more time doing it. And I was like, you know, I was already coaching and I, I realized how much that role could be a lot more lucrative if I were just doing it as my job, you know, and I'm like nice. focusing and pouring my energy into what I felt like it was, you know, sort of more my calling. So, mm. uh, yeah, had done kind of fit work out of shops you know, and started doing that really out of the second bedroom in our house. Um, because we had all these, you know, all these skills. My wife's also a bike fitter and she hasn't fit for a while because I've probably taken the reins of that role in the business. But um, we started off offering this really unique experience around fit and having it become more of this dialogue of tell us the story of your body and let's bring this into the equation and have this really open space that we can improve your position on the bike, but also give you some guidance that you can carry into what you do in your everyday life that can reverse some of the negative impacts of what, you know, we all have as lifestyle, uh, you know, adaptations that have created the oh, yeah. density to experience pain or discomfort yeah. or numbness or whatever that might be. So yeah, we, we really evolved a lot through, uh, through that. And it's been a fun journey so far. Well, it's one thing I love about, um, so if you go to, if you go to your website, if you go to the, the peakstatefit.com website, there's one thing that is not missing. And that is like the philosophy of care. So your like idea behind taking care of the people that see you, it's very prominent. It's not just like, Hey, come in and we'll get you fit. Like, it'll be really fun. No, it's like, you explained very carefully why this is a thing and why you've kind of gone into this genre, this business and, and have really like, I don't see this anywhere else. And we've had a few bike feeders on this podcast. I mean, this is so cool. Um, how you look at each person differently, how they're moving, um, whether it's injuries or imbalances or other, we, I just love this idea that you are, like creating this fit in a personal way, maybe like explain how this philosophy came about. Is this something you experienced or is just something you gravitated towards or how did you come up with this? Definitely. And I mean, it's all been by having great mentorship and education in, you know, both from personal experience as well as from people who've been doing this for a long time and do this at a high level. I mean, I, I think that anybody who's in a professional role um, can say that, you know, they stand on the shoulders of the giants that have gone before them to do, you know, to kind of pave the way for understanding imbalances and neuromuscular disconnections and, and overuse injuries, you know, air quotes around like overuse stuff like the, the, um, you know, the, the, approach evolved certainly out of, uh, and I think my, my empathy towards these types of injuries and issues that have resulted from fit have come out of like a, a you know, my 2016 season where I had this nagging knee thing going on and it was 
you know, partially fit, but it wasn't 100% position. And I think that's part of what we want to shed light on with people is that this whole story that your body tells as, you know, we go through like your history of injuries and your routine off the bike, what, what is your strength and conditioning routine look like? How, how well do your hips move? And, and have you assessed that, you know, this side has very poor internal rotation and, and, you know, this side has an excessive amount of external rotation. And so why, you know, sort of the proof is in the pudding when it comes to like figuring out a lot of these imbalances and issues, but, um, we're all too far invested into ourselves to really be objective and kind of take a step back and be like, Oh, well, oh, actually makes Yeah. Sense. I look ridiculous. Yeah. On a bike. <laughs> so we, um, yeah, we, we've been lucky to learn from people like Parik McGlenn who runs Psychologic in Arizona. Um, Ivan O'Gorman namely is really my, been my go-to mentor, um, has taught me so much about that personal personalization of the experience um, appropriateness of positions. Um, and then, you know, really like Heather and has, has kind of pushed me towards, you know, doing, doing a CSCS, a strength and conditioning specialist cert through mm. the NBA. And like, I think that really just started my interest in how the complexity of movements, uh, that we perform just as humans, we're not just this biplanar being it's, you know, we are this spiraling web of fascia and muscle and tendons that create amazing movement patterns. But, you know, if we fall into the habits of only adhering to one set of movements, you know, it, it doesn't really prepare our muscles and tendons to absorb and displace force accurately doing other things. And so, um, yeah, so it's kind of a long answer to a, no, it's good. There's a uh, lot of different things that have evolved into what we do now. And, and it's constantly changing as I learn more and never and, really done learning. And Pat and I have deter- – so uh, this is probably like a good time to – this is going to be a two-part series. Uh, <laughs> so we're going to talk about fit today. And then maybe in a, in a couple weeks, a month, we're going to talk more about strength. So what Pat was just talking about, um, that idea where, that he has gotten into the the, the strength portion of, of imbalances. So – um, maybe Pat, let's, let's just dive into, I mean, if, a, if a person comes to you for, for, a, uh, you gotta know, uh, upfront, if anyone is listening, who doesn't think that this is an essential part of everything that happens inside this sport, like not being in my opinion, not being fit to the machine is like, I don't even, you might as well be riding like a tricycle in my opinion, like, oh, my knee hurts my back. hurts. It's like, the first thing that is is essential, in my opinion, hopefully yours as well, so I don't look like an idiot. You got to be fit on this thing. You have to have a professional look at you, a coach who says, "You cannot sit on this thing like this. This is, this is a terrible. Your hips are, whoa, whoa, whoa. your feet are in the wrong. I mean, it's like your hands are going to go numb. Oh my, uh, that just happens. No, it doesn't. That is not. That does not happen. That's not a thing. You're fit wrong. So maybe um, with that." It, um, advertisement. Uh, go ahead, you Pat. You share um, kind of where you begin when it comes to this uh, idea of being fit on this bike. Absolutely, and yeah, I mean, I think that's uh, a great way to put it. You know, we perform 
2000 repetitions an hour when we ride. And that if you're moving outside of your functional range of motion, or you're not accurately flexing and extending your levers uh, appropriate to your effective ranges that you can, that you can optimize your, your movement pattern and, you know, the activation of the muscles that you're, that you're performing with, you're, you're missing a lot um, and you're potentially creating harm. Right. So, um, and I think that it's funny how like bike fit is such a, you know, there's a lot of different flavors of fit. And I think one aspect of our experience that, you know, is nobody really does what we do like we do it. And um, I think that's really what sets us apart. And I think there's a lot of great bike fitters here in the Valley and, and really in the Mountain West. Um, we found that people who want a little more focus, a little more holistic approach uh, tend to gravitate towards us mostly because um, it always starts with a, a good thorough interview discussion on the pre-existing conditions, pre-existing injuries, um, I always talk about management and maintenance, like what does the management and maintenance look like in your life, especially if people have been through something chronic or, or even acute and had it remedied, like such as like an ACL, like we see a lot of athletes who come in with a ski related accident. Um, you know, it's like, oh, well, you know, I had an ACL tear 10 years ago, but you know, that got fixed. And I'm like, okay, well, let's, talk about that because the word fix is a very dangerous thing like if people ever believe that their issues are fixed um they're either have a very good routine that is supporting it or um or they have something else that's occurring as a result of the compensation patterns from that quote fix so um and the the acl is a really good one to talk about because i think so many people who've had acl surgeries have had a graph from their hamstring or a graph from their patellar tendon. Right. Yeah. Um, and opening that dialogue can start this, you know, discussion on like, oh, well, actually I do have this hamstring thing that creeps up. It's like, well, is it on the same side that you had the graph from? Which part of the graph, which part of the hamstring? Was it your semi-membranosis or your semi-tendinosis? Are you, mm. you know, do you have trouble <laughs> adducting? Do you have trouble doing, uh, you know, a lateral movement? Does it trigger it when you run? And so you start to kind of peel back the layers of, of somebody's movements. And not to say that I work outside my scope of practice. Like I definitely know where that, like that line is where like, okay, this is where we bring in a PT. And we want to talk about this from a clinical perspective. Um, generally speaking though, we really just want to tell the whole story because I think um, Gray Cook said it best. We can't, uh, we can't zoom in and then focus. We want to focus before we zoom. And what mm -hmm. I mean by that, sort of a photography analogy. I'm not a photographer, but I like the analogy because it makes a lot of sense. If you can, if you can focus and create a really good picture of the whole system, you can much better peel back the areas of the system that are that are compromised. Um, and then you can focus in a little bit, a little bit more closely to the, the connections between that system that can lead to imbalance, pain, um, movement pattern discrepancies, 
you know, and stuff that people may be aware of and may have no idea that, you know, that they have really poor ankle range of motion or they have asymmetry between their leg lengths and why that's occurring and why their pelvis is rotated. And, you know, I think there's, um, there's a really good space to kind of build that into the equation because if you get somebody on a bike and you see that they sit on one side of their saddle and you know their hips are rotated and you know they get numbness in one side or not the you know at one side not the other um it's important to kind of peel back why that's happening but then also offer a little bit of a template so that they can not not just a template for everybody but you know everybody will have specific needs and this kind of comes back to the training specificity discussion um to provide the right stimulus for that individual giving them something that's purpose-driven that they can do on a regular basis it's not about doing more mobility work or more strength work it's just doing a good combination of simple movement patterns done really really well and if you can get the ranges of motion a little bit closer to one another you're going to experience a, a lot less magnified issues on one side versus the other um, or bilaterally, you know, if you can, if you can improve your range of motion, um, and control about your joints, you're probably going to have better results when it comes to getting back on that bike every day. Right. Yeah. And to talk about this, uh, I mentioned it, um, in your introduction. Um, I don't think a lot of people know what this system is that you use. Do you want to talk more about retool? Sure. Yeah. Retool is pretty cool, man. It's, um, so for a long time, I, I did a pretty hands-on fitting process and it was a lot of, we used a bit of video motion capture, um, some hand measurements, you know, some, a lot of feedback, um, slow-mo videos, really just kind of like trying to, trying to incorporate some technology. Um, but none of it was as, as packageable and, um, you know, conveying measurements and, and, it, you know, in the follow-up was really difficult without something that was producing those measurements in real time. So Retool is a motion capture uh, equipment for bike fitting. Um, so basically it's a set of LED sensors with a mm. camera system that uh, interfaces with a computer and then you can project it onto a, onto a TV and and it makes the fit process really interactive. So in real time, you can, you can set a, an athlete's power on their trainer and then, you know, instruct them into a cadence range and then prompt them into either different body position or make adjustments. And as you see these things change, you can represent all of those changes in the biomechanical patterns in real time on the, on the app. And it's, it's incredibly powerful is, you know, it, it doesn't necessarily determine like how efficient you are or, but all of these, all of these numbers do correlate to, you know, how are you loading through that peak power phase of the pedal stroke? How much variability is there in your lateral movement of your hips, of your knees? Um, and then, you know, we're, we're able to, I think, provide a, a report that, sheds light on you know why there's justification for the range of motion practice to you know encourage better 
movement in terms of like a pist more piston-like trajectory of your knees. Um, and then also offer solutions and, and evidence to why we might make certain adjustments that we do. Um, you know, and it also gives people a little bit of a carrot when they see that they could improve their position by incorporating some of the off the bike routines that will encourage better pelvic movement, better, you know, sacral mobility, better, you know, T-spine mobility, better stability in their low backs, better glute stability. It's like, you know, when you get that buy-in from people, they're a heck of a lot more likely to do the stuff you, you ask them to do sure. and realize that it's for their best interest. It's not just going to affect how they pedal, but it's going to impact how they feel at the end of the day. If they can play with their kids, if they can, you know, do, do basic tasks without being worried about injuring themselves. I think like right now is a great example of that period of time too. We're all like, all of a sudden here in Salt Lake city, we've got a foot of snow on the ground. We're <laughs> all it. going out and shoveling our sidewalk. Yeah. Yeah. And like, I guarantee there's going to be people that are too sore to do the whole workout this weekend because they shoveled so much freaking snow all week. <laughs> and I'm probably going to be one of them. I mean, I, but <laughs> That was nasty snow, dude. So oh, sloppy. Yeah. <laughs> That's funny. Uh, so yeah, we're we're really lucky to use this this type of uh, equipment too, because I, you know, we've we've wanted it for a long time, and and Ivan, you know, used to work for Retool, and he's he's been sort of nudging me for the last couple of years to to get a little bit more tech behind the fit process, and mm -hmm. and I honestly think it's it hasn't changed how we do things. It just offers a, it offers a really nice um, platform for the experience to, to just get a little bit more out of it. We also have some interesting equipment that we are beginning to hire more into fit a little bit more specialty type fit and particularly triathletes navigate to this stuff, but it has a space in cycling too. And, and especially long distance people like I know a lot of people at me dwell a race loaded every year. Yeah. Um, and, you know, we can talk about this on another date, but metabolic testing and, um, you know, dialing in the fit based upon your body's ability to exchange oxygen and CO2. And that's, Dang. that's sort of a, a component of fit that's, that's in development right now. But wow. um, that's a, you know, if you're talking about optimization, we're talking about comfort, aerodynamics, O2 exchange. And that, I think those things all play a role, but we have a, we have a perception of the, you know, the latter elements based upon the others. And so um, it's nice, again, to offer that objective approach because we can, we can offer evidence-based practice that's not just like well you think you can breathe better here cool because i think the you know the real magic is again taking it taking the bike away from breathing taking a practice approach to you know breathing mechanics um and kind of learning how to breathe better when you get on the bike and that's that's like sort of a discussion that we have a lot in here in the fit studio but it's hard to it's hard to hit all these things at one time yeah. but um but yeah it's a it's it's definitely cool to have all this technology at our fingertips. Well, I love, I mean, uh, I, I'm not a professional um, cycle team manager. Maybe, maybe we could argue that I am, but 
in my other job, I work in, uh, with dentists. So all day long, uh, we teach dentists how to manage their dental teams. And one thing, really neat change that's happening in dental work, which is really fun for you, is like the same thing. Dentists are buying microscopes with cameras on them. And when a patient comes in with periodontal disease, you're talking about infection of the gums. This doctor says, come over here and look at this recording of the bacteria that I just filmed in your mouth. You need to get on an antibiotic and we need to start a process to remove periodontal disease from your mouth. And so now you're talking about there's the technology available to teach a patient, make these changes. And I think that when it comes to you as a, you go in and Jason Lang says to you, I cannot, I don't want to do this. And you say, I am showing you right now in real time that this is, this technology is showing you, this is the benefit that will come from me adjusting here rather than just like, Hey man, I've done 30,000 of these. You should just, you should probably just do this. Um, And maybe this is a good, maybe it's a good transition is so Jason comes in, Chris Harmon comes in, like, where do you start? Like, these are guys that are like, I've ridden 10,000 miles this year. Like, what do you do for a, a normal fit when a person comes in? Like, how's it work? Yeah. You know, that's, that's a good question. You know, I get a lot of people that come in and they're like, I think it's pretty good. I, I ride a lot and I have marginal issues, you know, and those are great people because that, you know, that they're really good at pedaling a bike. Um, generally, you know, we start the same way. It's always based upon like, what's your history? What's going on? Why are you here? Um, and then there's, you know, there's people that just come in to optimize and like, look, just put me in a heart, in a position that I can ride really fast. It's like, okay, well, (laughs) if we take, if we take the approach that, um, you know, that you're your position is ballpark pretty good, probably focus a little bit more on the body. Um, and, you know, looking at the lifestyle and the variables that are maybe leading to some late onset of fatigue or soreness. Um, and, you know, I know it's been talked about in, in previous podcasts here too, but the conditioning element that people have, that riders have, tends to fall off as you get further into the season. The higher the volume, the more time you're spending on the bike, the less time you really want to sit down and spend the time on the foam roller and yep. do your hip cars and and do activation work before you get on the bike. And so it opens a nice dialogue of, well, where's, you know, where are some of the shortcomings with this position? Um, and where can we start incorporating some purposeful mobility work to encourage better recruitment patterns and get you using more muscle groups. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, and this is a strength and weakness kind of thing too, and learning where people are strong um, and where they're chronically tight because they are incredibly strong in a certain area. And usually it's an anterior dominance with a cyclist being in forward flexion. and, but it is a, a, you know, it's a heavy posterior chain uh, demanding sport. So, you know, if we have weakness and amnesia in our posterior chain, that muscles that are meant to work to stabilize and uh, help us perform what our 
quads and hamstrings are really, really tied into doing. Um, if those aren't carrying their weight, then we have a tremendous amount of work to do both with, you know, maybe making some adjustments to the position to honor the tensions and, and areas of pain that creep up. Um, but then also giving some guidance on what you can do to help address this imbalance from a, a mobility and kind of neurological standpoint, like changing that neuro pattern that is driving you to only use your quads <laughs> or, you know, overuse your quads. Rather. Right. So, yeah. Um, yeah. And, and I think when people start to make those connections and start to even going through some movement patterns with people in the studio, we've been able to make some connections with people's sort of perception of where they're pushing from um, and what muscle groups are kind of getting on board a little bit more when they activate them. Uh, so it's, it's, yeah, I, and I love having experienced riders in here that, you know, are, are just looking for an edge. Cause that's, mm -hmm. I think what we, we bring to the table for people is that, that body awareness connection and trying to encourage exploring those things from a new angle. It's not just pedaling, you know, and that's part of why I love the skate ski in the winter is just helping to magnify some of the areas that like, wow, you know, I could really use some stability here. And gosh, it really, pay, it really pays off when it gets time to start pedaling a lot more in the spring. And um, yeah, I think there's, there's a lot of people that have adhered to that and find some success with it. Cool. I, um, I wanted to butt in when you were talking there. I wanted every listener to raise their hand if you are not sitting in an office chair all day, just <laughs> destroying the position, <laughs> these systems. I mean, it's funny because, I mean, most of the coaches we bring on, um, you know, they're like, oh, well, make sure you recover and don't overdo it. And I'm like, listen, man, I'm literally sitting on my butt for like 10 hours a day. I just sit here. Yeah. And so that, that one or two hours in the morning, when I get to ride, when I, I'm like, this is, I'm going to go like, it's going to be go time. I'm going to go hard because otherwise, like who is I, one of our guests said it. I mean, sitting is the new smoking, just like crushing <laughs> all of these systems that you try to fix when, when people come in to see you, but, um, and that can be, we could probably do an episode just on what we call complacent adaptations to lifestyle and gravity. And um, we use this programming of, you know, it's, I guess you could call it conditioning. It's, it's a lot of, you know, used in a lot of pain management applications, but the, and several people who've come to me for fit will have gotten videos from foundation training. So we can put that in the notes of the podcast. Um, but foundation training was invented by a guy named Eric Goodman. Goodman. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, you know, he's super like popular in the cycling world for the, you know, Lance Armstrong 12 minute video from right. 2009 <laughs> or 10. Um, and I did it religiously. So I've been doing this stuff for like almost 10 years now mm -hmm. and his program now has evolved so much that I I do it every day. I've actually wow. gotten a certification in it. And the way that he communicates the purpose behind it is so, is so relevant to like 
every single person that's listening to this podcast, because we're all, and, and anybody who is living on planet earth and is subject to gravity, we all will fall into the same complacent adaptations. And that's one of those beautiful things that we can, we all have in common. It's like, we, you know, and it, it's unfortunate that today's day and age, we are desk animals. We sit and, you know, get the forward head carry, shorten our pec minor, limits the access to our traps and, or I mean, to our, our lats to elevate our rib cage and to open space through our axial skeleton to breathe more efficiently, um, to decompress the spine. We get a lot of people with spinal decom or spinal compression issues and, it, and it's sort of inexcusable. So it's like, it's all just because of postural alignment problems and it can all be it can all be managed and maintained, but until we're able to recognize the root cause of it and, and find a solution out of it, it's just going to be the same cycle. I'm going to go to the chiropractor, I'm going to get cracked, and then I'm going to feel better for a week. But why do you want to, I mean, you can pay a chiropractor for a long, you know, a lot of this stuff that I think you can alleviate pressure from on a more regular basis for yourself and keep using the chiropractor for when things get really out of whack, but taking some responsibility is really, really crucial. Um, so yeah, we're, we're a big fan of foundation training though. And, and, um, there's some really magical stuff in there that has led to a lot of success in terms of pain management, uh, improving ranges of motion without just, you know, doing hours of stretching and, uh, you know, really giving people a lot better body awareness, both for breathing mechanics, supporting the pelvis from underneath, alleviating, uh, you know, low back problems and SI joint related pain. Uh, so it's great stuff. Check it out. I've done it. You know, you got to remember, I work all day with Dennis. This is all we do. <laughs> they are, yeah, they, they could probably benefit from a podcast for Big time. their postural alignment, dude, for sure. Um. Pat, maybe, maybe um, as we kind of transition here, you, you spent a lot of time with like a whole, uh, the whole gamut of, of athletes. Um, maybe you could share the top three or top five things that you are seeing um, cyclists do uh, when it comes to either fit or position or taking care of themselves that, that, that are off. You're, you're almost like you're saying the same thing to every guy. It's like, hey, man, listen, this is a, something I'm seeing. I mean, is there like a blanket top three that you would say, this is, this is Pat's advice. Here, here, I'm going to just start here. Is there is stuff you're constantly seeing or talking about? Yes. Um, yeah, and gosh, to think like top three. <laughs> so um, the first one would be, probably the most common characteristic that we get. And, and, you know, this isn't necessarily lower body related, even um, it's like sort of neck and shoulder pain. And I think finding those areas of integration between your upper body and your lower body and, and supporting yourself on the bike. Um, I think it's all starting from the habits that we get into with looking down at our phones, mm. having, you know, this kind of hunched, forward carried position when we're sitting at the computer. Um, you know, and over time, even with standing desks, I notice people that, you know, they just start hunching on their standing desk and it's kind of eliminates the purpose. You get this yeah. 
you know, you still have that same kyphotic position of your thoracic spine, and then you overextend your cervical spine. And, you know, your SCM is just super lengthened out. It's not really supporting your head. Um, so there's some really great stuff. And I, you know, I, I like the McKenzie method, because I think it, it at least starts the discussion on just start working on pulling your head back and getting your back neck long and pulling like you've got a string tied to the top of your head. And you'll notice automatically your shoulders draw back, you start to stand taller and it feels really awkward for people. Mm. But that's a great starting point just in terms of like every day that people can start paying attention to. Um, I'd say the second thing is, is not, not moving frequently enough throughout the day, uh, mm. especially for seated professionals, creating a routine that breaks the cycle of sitting, you know, sticking your leg up on the desk, um, you know, and trying to find new like comfortable positions in poor posture. Uh, instead, get up, carry something around that's, you know, maybe loading your, your musculoskeletal system so you can start to just get some more muscles activated, particularly mm, like glutes and hamstrings that are getting a lot of pressure throughout the day. Um, and then, you know, my favorite movement, hands down, is the founder is just yeah. that wide stance, slightly internal rotating feet. So you're just, you're kind of scrolling your femurs inward. I lock into the ground, like I'm trying to squeeze the floor together. And then I just drive movement from my hips as I hinge, hinge the hips, drive the butt back and reach the arms forward, sort of create a bit of length. You'll feel an eccentric load of your hamstrings. Um, and what that's doing is just sort of retraining the hamstring to support ourselves in space, not just depend on the quads and, you know, the glutes being really tight, get those, get those hamstrings involved and kind of lengthen and load them. And I do 20 of them. I do 20 before I, you know, even do anything in the morning, I'll drink um, a bottle of water while I'm making coffee and I'll do 20 founders while I'm just sitting, you know, just in nice. my kitchen. Um, and that's probably, you know, provides a ton of relief for my low back early in the day. Um, yeah. And then I think the third thing, you know, if we're just talking about blanket, um, blanket things that I see really commonly, um, how we perform normal everyday tasks tends to magnify some of the imbalances that we have, right? Because we're always going to fall into that path of least resistance. We're going to do what's easiest. Um, I see a lot of people, uh, especially moms that, you know, come in and have a super, super tight QL on one side and like their whole tensor fascia line, like their lateral side of their, you know, hip down to their knee, down to their ankle is really, really tight. And, you know, it's always one of those discussions. How do you carry your kid? How do you carry that toddler all the time? Mm. Do you carry him in your left hand and you're doing stuff with your right? Cause you're a righty, like, you know, you're making breakfast while you've got the kid and, you know, and, and that is, that's like a light bulb moment for so many people when they're like, and it, it can even, it doesn't even have to be carrying a kid. It can be, how do you carry your backpack? How do you carry your groceries? How, what are these like constant movement patterns that are driving some of the imbalances that you're experiencing and some of the pain that's, you know, being experienced because of the imbalance. And um, 
I think just making those connections for people is really powerful because you're like, oh my God, I do. Yeah, do. I do do that. <laughs> <laughs> and we all do. And, and it's those commonalities that we can become more aware of if we, if we have some purpose behind it. And, you know, for, I think for just change, you know, and, and this kind of goes for all of it, have, have your, your little tools available wherever you work. So if you're working from home, put that long resistance band on the back of the door, have your mini band at your desk, put that, you know, put that mini band on while you're finishing up a call, get up, do 12 lateral walks with your mini band and, and then sit back down and just notice how you feel. Um, and, and, you know, again, add the mini band into some different movement patterns, do some, you know, do some deadlifts with, with the mini band on kind of get some of those lateral stabilizers working. Um, I guarantee your low back will feel better at the end of the day when you go to go to get on the bike. Sure. Yeah. Very cool. Great. Uh, excellent advice. Uh, stuff I'd never, yeah, I've never heard stuff. This is great. I've never heard these, uh, little nuggets before. So good. Um, I was, I was sitting here thinking, Pat, um, I mean, age 15, dude, you've been in this sport. I mean, like you have been surrounded by this, um, whether it's mechanics, dude, riding across the country, <laughs> uh, now fitting, coaching. Um, if, if you were, if, I mean, if me and you were going on a ride and I was going to turn to you and say, I want you to be my mentor, Pat. I mean, what kind of advice are you giving to cyclists or just in general that you've learned over this lifetime of being involved in this sport? Mm, that's a good question. Young, young Pat, young Pat's riding with you. What are you going to say to him? Oh. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, that's, that's a good question. I think at the end of the day, I've really found that, that cycling is my social outlet. And I'm a super social person. Um, but I've found that training and, and, and being by myself and, you know, there is that time and space where we all obviously have to train by ourselves, but, um, having it be an outlet for social interaction and connecting with the world around you, that element of enjoyment that you get out of riding and racing and training, um, you know, you have to keep it fun. It, that's like the number one part that, you know, we, very few of us are making a paycheck doing this. And I, right. I know that when, you know, I was really pursuing and, you know, hopefully earning an opportunity to make something doing it, or at least earn a contract, it was just, it, it sort of started to lose some of that, some of that, why did I get into this feel? And, mm -hmm. uh, you know, it took taking a little bit of time off, you know, forming peak state fit, really getting busy and doing what we do now um, to kind of come back to it with this refreshed perspective and uh, get back into racing with a different mindset. And um, I'm grateful for all the experiences that I had, but I think it definitely like hits home with, especially the kids getting into racing through NICA, um, right. you know, and might be, might be even getting into some more elite stuff. Uh, you just have to keep it fun and make it, Make it something that complements who you are in the other aspects of your life. Because with our philosophy at Peak State Fit, you know, what, how we really came to this 
name of our company and the concept was grounded in an Aristotle philosophy uh, by the word of entelechy. And the word entelechy means potential realized. Um, and what that means is essentially you're, you're always striving for this peak potential, this version of yourself that is constantly improving, but we should all die never having reached that potential because it's always a concept of trying to find ways that we can be better humans. And I think in sport, especially at the amateur level, even if you're doing it at a high level, it, it needs to be something that makes you a better dad, makes you a better husband, makes you a better or wife, you know, makes you just contribute something to the world in a new way. Um, and, and that's, uh, I think the real magic in, in riding a bike, I think probably a lot of people can also agree that come up with their best ideas when they're riding a bike. Yeah. And, <laughs> yeah. and I, I think I've just like always been this high energy person that having the bike has been this outlet so that I could have a really sound thought process and it calms me in a way that it's, you know, it's very therapeutic for most of us. Um, but that headspace that we create, you know, it's like, if it's all about hitting the power number and it's all about, you know, training and checking the box, you kind of lose a little bit of that. So, you know, even with my athletes working with people that are of all the different backgrounds, you just always have to have some freestyle sessions. I call it soul riding, <laughs> you know? Nice. Yeah. So just never lose the love of it. And, and, you know, you'll find new ways that it, that it complements who you are and, and, and what you bring to the world. That's great advice. I, I, uh, maybe to go along with this. And, and if, if you don't have anything, that's fine. I, I'm sitting here thinking to myself, what are the, what are you seeing athletes do that are major mistakes? I mean, same thing, like you're offering advice for what you would do. Is there anything that you see, um, that you would warn against? Man. I mean, I, I, <clears throat> I do think that there's a, an individualistic sort of approach people should take with their training. And um, I think Kyle McFarland said it really well in his podcast where, uh, you know, he just made the example of people doing what everyone else is doing just because they're kind of following, they're following the masses. Um, and I think there's some, you know, there's, it's not a bad thing. I think pushing yourself to achieve something that, you know, you want to do because your friends are doing it is a good thing. Um, so it's not to be misconstrued, but doing, uh, you know, probably more specific to your training. Um, you know, if you really want to find your potential, but also, you know, I guess it depends on what you want to get out of it, but if you want to find your potential and, and, really hone in on your strengths and addressing your weaknesses, hiring a coach and getting more dialed into whatever it is you want to achieve. I'm a coach. I have a personal trainer and I have a coach, <laughs> um, you know, that, and, and my coach is actually our associate coach, Tanner Putt. And, um, you know, we, it's, it's invaluable. You have this comrade, in this journey that you're trying to better yourself athletically and 
bringing like bringing yourself to that new space requires a truly objective perspective. So I agree. Uh, yeah, I think just, just try to do what is best for you. And um, that could be, you know, chasing your buddies around all the time. And that's great. And I think, um, I think there's a lot of value in that too, but um, you know, do, do stuff that's specific for your, for your needs and, and don't be afraid to try something new to, you know, change it up. And, and nice. uh, you're going to, I think, you know, I said, I say this all the time with like winter time training, um, you know, allow some of those, allow some of those hours in the day to, to be training for areas that we can't do during the season, you know, maybe it might compromise what we're doing while we're pedaling a bike, you know, and just get stronger by, by getting in the gym and doing some, uh, you know, doing some lifting and, you know, I, I always encourage people to, to explore heavy lifts, but, um, you know, doing so under guidance is really smart. Um, we work out at Excel, uh, down there in Murray, uh, sort of close to holiday. Um, great gym. They've got a really great functional approach. Um, I work with a trainer who's, he's worked with hockey players and, you know, cyclists and speed skaters. And, and I think that is just a really good, you know, cause at the end of the day, it's all movement. If you, if somebody has a specialty in powerlifting, it doesn't necessarily mean that they can't work with a cyclist. They're going to, they're probably going to be better for you because they're not just a cyclist doing weight training. They're a weight training specialist. That is, uh, you know, their goal is to improve your strength, integrity, and durability. So, yeah. Great. That was fan. That was deep. I feel, I mean, that potential realized that is awesome. Wait, who was it? Aristotle? Aristotle. Money. All right, man. <laughs> I can't take the, all the credit, you know, it's my, my wife, I'm smarter because of my wife, you know, the company is deep. <laughs> is important. Uh, nice. Yeah. <laughs> well, Paz, we kind of come in uh, for landing as we wrap up. Um, I want to make sure that the team or listeners know how to connect with you. They know what services are available from you. Do you want to go through that for a bit? Sure. Yeah, man. We, we offer uh, a range of services. We, we work with cyclists, um, triathletes, and people that are just looking to improve their lives. So we do some, you know, just programming for nutrition and strength and conditioning. Um, we also offer bike fit <laughs> and metabolic testing. Um, you can find us at on Instagram at Peak State Fit, and uh, myself, Coach Pat Casey. My wife is Coach Heather Casey, so pretty easy to find on on the gram. Um, if you want to drop me a line via email, it's just it's on the website PeakStateFit.com, and it's just Pat at PeakStateFit.com. We're we're pretty pretty uh, easy dialed on the domain thing. Um, <laughs> And uh, yeah, we're located in Sugar House. So we're always around making coffee at the studio. Um, and we have a we have a cool spot like right on the bike path here in, in uh, kind of the, the Sugar Hood area between 5th and nice. 6th, uh, just south of 21st. I think my headphones even picked up the train. Was yeah, that- yeah, we yeah. got that rail car. It goes, uh, goes <laughs> east and west. It's pretty cool, man. It's a, it's cool. a cool little area. Well, Jason and Chris cannot speak enough good things about you. Um, I mean, 
And if you don't know, if you don't know Jason Lang's personality, he is like that guy. He knows he researches, he work. I mean, so for him to speak so highly of the experience he had with you, um, pretty fun. I wish you would have been here with us maybe next time. We're grateful for that, you know, and that's, I think the most powerful form of marketing is just, it's just word of mouth and making, making great connections with people. And, um, I think that's something that we, um, we're eternally grateful for in this community. And mm -hmm. I feel really blessed that we've, um, kind of earned ourselves, a, a opportunity to, to work with a lot of people that have, um, just been in it for a long time and, and, you know, entrusting us with the position on their bike is, I mean, it's not something to be taken lightly. I always, um, you know, I'm very humble when it comes to my role with, with people. And, and I know, um, I know that it's a big deal. And, uh, so yeah, I'm, I'm grateful for, for the opportunity. And, you know, I think in, in turn, it's, it sort of indebted me to my future clients and the people that I currently work with just to always keep evolving and keep bringing new knowledge to the table. Cause, um, you know, you can read a lot on slow Twitch, but where does it all come together? And, um, and I try to offer that here. So yeah, it's really, uh, really a nice thing. So thank you for having me on and really you great the opportunity, man. Thank you so much. Yeah. Can't wait to ride together, dude. I go to Excel. I can't believe I've never seen you there. We may have seen each other. We probably oh, have. I'm at, I'm there at six in the morning usually. So it's so that, am I. really, yeah, dude. I gotta, now we got to see each other. Now I got high five. I'll be there on Tuesday. I'll see you on Tuesday. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> nice. Pat. Sweet buddy, right, man. Hey, well, I appreciate it. I'll put your website, email, cell phone. I'll be in the show notes. So you guys, if you want to connect with Pat or Heather, um, easy place to find them. So appreciate it, man. Outstanding brother. Thank you so much.